Welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha, a podcast shared by David Roylance. This podcast is dedicated to guiding you to completely eliminate the discontent mind and the suffering it causes by attaining enlightenment. Learn and practice the teachings of Gotama Buddha that will guide you to fully attain a peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy. To support this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha or visit buddhadailywisdom.com where you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online learning resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Now, here's our teacher to share more. Sawadikap, hello and welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha. Today is our second class in a four-part series for learning loving-kindness meditation. We're sharing loving-kindness meditation over a four-part series to help students build up their meditation practice. In the past month, we did four classes of breathing mindfulness meditation to help build students up with that practice because that's really the primary meditation that Gautama Buddha used in order to move the mind to enlightenment. But there's this second problem in the mind that needs to be addressed with loving kindness meditation and practicing loving kindness. So today is our second class of this four part series where I'm going to help you build up your practice. And in order to do that, I'm going to start with just a brief, brief little review of most of what we talked about last week and then we'll go right into any questions that you guys have maybe based on what you've been practicing throughout this last week and then we'll do a guided loving kindness meditation session together so welcome i'm really pleased that you guys are all here today let's go ahead and talk about the things that we discussed last week but just with kind of a brief little overview just to kind of remind you and kind of refresh you so as i mentioned there's this primary style of meditation that the Buddha taught, which is breathing mindfulness meditation. All meditation is a active, dedicated, purposeful training session to either eliminate certain qualities of the mind or cultivate certain qualities of mind. And it's really important that you understand what you're doing during your meditations because if you don't understand what you're eliminating from the mind and what you're cultivating in the mind you won't really have what you need in order to progress on this path through your meditation practice as you know there's many other things that need to be learned and practiced as part of this path but meditation is very important aspect of this path so when you are doing breathing mindfulness meditation whether it's a standalone session or whether it's part of a loving kindness meditation session like what we're going to be doing today, you're eliminating the unwholesome root or the poison or the fire of craving desire attachment. This is how the mind has mental longing with a strong eagerness and it chases after the objects of its affection. It wants pleasant feelings and it keeps thinking that the objects of its affection are going to bring those permanent pleasant feelings but because it's basing its inner feelings on these impermanent conditions the mind just keeps chasing after this unsatisfactory conditioned pleasant feelings because these conditioned pleasant feelings they arise based on some condition like 
I got a new car. I got a new pair of shoes. I got a raise at work. I got a new boyfriend, a new girlfriend. There's some condition that's arising this happiness, excitement, and elation. So therefore, when it arises based on this impermanent condition, then those feelings of pleasant feelings are going to change then they're going to fade away because they're temporary. They're going to cease to exist. And therefore, they're unsatisfactory because they don't remain permanently. And the mind just keeps chasing after these pleasant feelings. This is the primary problem in the unenlightened mind. So the primary method of training to resolve that is breathing mindfulness meditation to eliminate this craving desire attachment so as the mind is focusing on the breath and breathing mindfulness meditation and it wants to go to the past or it wants to go to the future or it has these thoughts these ideas these perceptions that come to the surface and takes the mind off the breath i.e out of the present moment then when the mind's doing that and you observe it then you cut it off let that go and bring the mind back to the breath this is in meditation so what you're eliminating is craving desire attachment and what you're cultivating is this mindfulness or awareness of mind because you become utterly aware of the breath and the thoughts in the breath as you train more and more with this style of meditation and you can catch the mind sooner and sooner when it's off the breath and therefore you can let go of the thoughts or going to the past or going to the future sooner and sooner and easier and easier. This helps you to develop concentration or singleness of mind because focusing on just the breath requires a lot of concentration. And then in daily life, if you maintain that, where you maintain the mind in the present moment and anything that you're focused on, whether you're walking or you're eating or you're having a conversation or whatever it is, you just stay with the mind in the present moment, cultivating this singleness of mind. And then anytime the mind wants to wander around, you cut it off and let it go. If the mind has unwholesome thoughts in daily life, you cut it off and let it go. If there's any arising discontentedness, like happiness, excitement, elation, thrill, euphoria, based on these conditioned experiences, these conditioned objects, then you cut that off and you let it go. If there's any painful feelings like sadness, anger, frustration, irritation, annoyance, guilt, shame, fear, when you observe that in daily life, that it's basing its inner feelings on these impermanent conditions and it experiences these painful feelings, you're then more easily able to cut it off and let it go because you've trained it in meditation to be able to do that. And then when you experience neither painful nor pleasant feelings like boredom or loneliness or shyness or other feelings like that, then you're able to easily cut that off and let it go more and more training the mind to reside in the present moment, peaceful, calm, serene and content with joy, no longer basing its inner feelings on all this impermanence that's happening around us, all these impermanent conditions that are happening the mind starts to recognize more and more that it's not interested to go and lurch after these impermanent conditions because you keep yanking it back and yanking it back and yanking it back. And this is where you'll see a gradual diminishing of discontentedness over time. But in daily life, if you have wholesome thoughts, if you're thinking about ideas for a business or things to do with your family or things perhaps to do with your home or other things like this, you can continue to pursue those and uh, work towards achieving those as goals and objectives 
rather than cravings and desires. So while in meditation, you're cutting off all thoughts because you would like to train the mind to more easily let go, let go, let go. But in daily life, you're only cutting off the unwholesome thoughts. So that way, when you clear out this condition of craving, desire, attachment, this pollution of mind, then the mind can have these wholesome thoughts that are not affected by this pollution of craving, desire, attachment. So when you're doing a breathing mindfulness meditation session as a standalone session, that's what you're doing. You're focusing on the breath as you observe with mindfulness that it's off the breath. You cut it off, let it go and come back to the breath. And you just keep doing that over and over and over again. There will most likely never be a time where you'll do a meditation where your mind will never ever wander off the breath. You'll have longer and longer periods of time, five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, where you will experience longer and longer periods of peacefulness where the mind will reside on the breath, but it will continually kind of wander, but you'll catch it soon. You'll catch it in one second rather than maybe three minutes the way when we first start. So you'll catch it in one second and boom, bring it right back. Boom, bring it right back. And this will build the quality of mind where the mind can practice renunciation or relinquishment or letting go. And this will be very beneficial in daily life. And as you eliminate all this pollution and you start purifying the mind, the mind becomes more concentrated and focused. You get this clarity, this singleness of mind. So when we do loving kindness meditation today, we'll start out with kind of a brief breathing mindfulness meditation to go into loving kindness. So we'll kind of do like about five or 10 minutes of breathing mindfulness as a way to kind of clear out the mind and then it can reside more focused on loving kindness and really get the most benefit out of that. Loving kindness meditation is addressing this second aspect of the mind that the Buddha discovered that is causing it to be unenlightened. There's multiple things in the mind that's causing it to be unenlightened. There's multiple pollutions. But when we get into chapter eight, we'll talk about these three poisons or these three unwholesome roots or these three fires, which are kind of like the high level problems that are in the mind, where the 10 fetters are the detail problems. The second issue that the Buddha discovered is this anger, this hatred, this ill will, and all those lesser versions like frustration, irritation, annoyance, etc. This is where the mind, when it's chasing with craving to get the objects of its affection and it wants these pleasant feelings, if it gets the objects of its affection, oh, it experiences these pleasant feelings. But again, they're only temporary. So when they fade, the mind can move into anger, hatred, or ill will. Or if the mind's chasing these pleasant feelings and it doesn't get the objects of its affection, then it can then experience painful feelings like anger and this hatred and this ill will can arise in the mind. And then the unenlightened mind that doesn't have right view fully established, it will falsely attribute those painful feelings to another person or to some situation. And then it will have aversion. Well, it will push this person or this situation out of your life thinking that that's going to actually solve the problem. But that is wrong view. If you keep pushing people out of your life and pushing situations out of your life, then you never are going to solve the true problem, which is the actual anger. And thus also the craving desire attachment, which is the real core problem. So by using 
loving kindness meditation, we can address this second unwholesome root, which is this aggression, this hostility, this mind that wants to have wrong speech and talk to people aggressively. And then it just causes us problems because we've been talking with people in unwholesome ways or we've been doing unwholesome actions and those things just come back to us. So through loving kindness meditation, we can eliminate anger, hatred, ill will. We can even eliminate resentment. Uh, we can let go of a lot of these issues that the mind's holding on to and cultivate loving kindness for all beings. Starting with ourself, we then create these rings where we create these wider and wider rings in meditation, ultimately getting to all beings where we have this genuine interest in seeing all beings be well and be peaceful. This isn't something that just you snap your fingers in one session miraculously everything changes because this ill will, it's what we call a mental object. It's deeply rooted in the mind. So it takes many, 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 many sessions to practice meditation and kind of break this up, almost like with a jackhammer or you know with a chisel or something like that. You're kind of breaking up this ill will more and more through multiple sessions. And then it doesn't just stop with the meditation itself. We then need to move this genuine interest in seeing all beings be well into practice through our intentions, our speech, and our actions, that we're polite, kind, friendly, and respectful to all beings. And by practicing this way more and more, transforming our own mind to have this loving kindness, then that's what we're putting out into the world through our intentions, speech, and actions. Then that's more and more of what will come back to us. Not that we're expecting that, not that we're waiting for that to occur, but that's what you will observe that will occur because of this natural law of gamma, whatever you put out is going to come back. So if we put out anger, hatred, ill will, hostility, aggression, then that's what's going to come back to us. But if we put out this loving kindness through our intention, speech, and actions, this genuine interest in seeing all beings be peaceful and be well, we have this active goodwill that we practice, then that's what will end up coming back to us. So it's the meditation that we're working to transform our own mind and then we're able to practice in daily life more easily, breaking down these walls. Because what the unenlightened mind has done is over time, as it was ignorant or unknowing of true reality, it lacked this wisdom of what the real problem was as we were going through life and we were falsely attributing these painful feelings to certain people in certain situations around us, we've erected these walls between us and other people. And therefore, in the unenlightened state, we can only associate with a small group of people who we kind of feel are doing things our way. And we've erected these walls and pushed people away with aversion. So what loving kindness meditation is doing is breaking down those walls so we no longer feel like we need to erect these walls and push people away, that instead we see what the real problem is. The real problem is our own craving, desire, attachment or our own anger, hatred, ill will, our own ignorance, delusion, confusion, unknowing of true reality, this lack of wisdom. And when we gain this wisdom from the Buddha and we really focus on the real problem, which is transforming these things, then instead of the mind pushing people away and erecting these walls, we can reside with loving kindness, having this genuine interest for all beings to be well. And now we can associate with people in a very loving and kind way, 
breaking these walls down, no longer pushing things away, no longer being hostile and aggressive, but being kind and polite and friendly, respectful with all beings. But it takes work to do that, and it can feel very cumbersome and very difficult at times to do this. It's a challenge to work through this path, but by staying dedicated, determined, and diligent, you can actively work on this path and you'll slowly, gradually see the condition of the mind improving. These other two meditations are things that I talk about in future classes, but I just leave them on here so that you know that out of all the meditations that the Buddha taught, there's really these kind of four that I teach in order to help you get to this mental state of enlightenment. And the Buddha primarily taught breathing mindfulness meditation and loving kindness meditation as the two primary forms of meditation that every practitioner will need because every unenlightened mind is affected with the same three poisons of craving, anger, and ignorance. So we antidote this ignorance with wisdom, learning the Buddhist teachings. Now we get the wisdom that the true problem is craving. So now we start antidoting that and transforming that we get this wisdom that the true problem is our own anger, our own ill will. We start antidoting that with loving kindness. And then we practice all the rest of the full path. And we see the condition of the mind and the condition of our life gradually improving. So this next slide that I shared is just explaining what loving kindness is. And I've already kind of done that through what I was just discussing, where loving kindness or metta is this active goodwill towards all beings without judgment, that we have this genuine interest in seeing all beings be well. It's the antidote to that unwholesome root of anger, hatred, ill will. It antidotes that poison or that unwholesome root of anger, hatred, ill will. Loving kindness is the wholesome root. It's just the opposite. It's the remedy that's going to transform this anger, hatred, and ill will by practicing loving kindness. It'll eliminate this harshness, this bitterness, this hostility and resentment that's in the mind. But again, that gradually takes time. And you'll hear me talking about loving kindness at different times in this program. We'll also be talking about it in chapter 14 as part of what we call the Brahma Viharas. These are the four healthy mental states. And then the way that I introduced loving kindness meditation to you is as these rings where you start with yourself having these affirmations of may I be peaceful, may I be safe, may I be well, may I be free of discontentedness in the suffering it causes. And then you expand wider and wider rings. In our first class, we just did a very simple meditation of three rings. And then I suggested to you that you either stick with that for this week just to kind of get used to meditating or if you were interested in customizing the meditation right away, then you could insert into these rings either individuals or groups of people that you feel that you currently have hatred or anger, ill will towards as a way to start breaking that down and start to cultivate this loving kindness in your own mind. Today in each class from here forward, I won't be using this exact three phrases. I will be using them. I'll say, may I, may we, but then I'm going to insert additional rings in there. And then finally, I'll get to all beings. And you'll kind of get a flavor of some ways that you can customize this meditation. And when I guide you, I'm going to be guiding you kind of as everybody together and kind of using phrases that kind of relate to all of us. 
But just always keep in mind that you should be customizing this meditation based on your own life practice. What are the challenges that you're having? Who are the people? Who are the groups of people that you're having anger, hatred, ill will for? And that's where mindfulness is really important. If you have awareness of mind and you're aware of individuals and you're aware of groups of individuals that you have anger, hatred, and ill will for, that's where you can then insert them into your meditation. And that person or those groups of people may show up in your meditation for many weeks or many months until you can start practicing in a way where you have this genuine interest in seeing them be well. And then maybe you don't need to include them in your meditation anymore. You put other people or other groups of people that you're having challenges with. This meditation is impermanent. You kind of fluctuate it and adjust it based on your own specific needs. And this is where with mindfulness and awareness, you'll be able to cultivate this active goodwill towards all beings without judgment. And you'll be able to practice in daily life because you've been practicing meditation to cultivate this loving kindness in the mind so it then becomes easier for you in daily life with your co-workers with your friends with your family and others to be polite to be kind to be friendly and be respectful because you've been on your own cultivating this genuine interest in seeing them be well you've been cultivating that on your own in your meditation so now when you're with them you'll be able to more readily practice in a way with your intention, speech, and actions that isn't causing harm to them. So this meditation isn't to change other people. It's not a wish for them to change. It's not a prayer for them to change. We're actively cultivating in our mind this genuine interest in seeing others be well as a way to eradicate this anger, hatred, and ill will. So let me pause here and see what questions you guys have based on this little recap or anything that you've been practicing over the last week that you might have questions about this so that then we can do a guided meditation together and you can get more benefit from that. The way that you ask questions is you put those into Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom. In the comment section, our moderators will see that and get your question asked. Or you can electronically raise your hand in Zoom and they'll call on you so that you can ask your question or follow-up question directly. Hi, David. You mentioned that if we're customizing the rings that we may include people that we're having challenges with, but would it also be appropriate to include people that that we have love for and that we're not necessarily having challenges with? Is that a way to generate loving kindness as well? You certainly can. You can uh, include people that you already have loving kindness for because you would like to kind of amplify that and emphasize that. And sometimes that's a good way to start where if you go, may I, may we, then maybe your next ring, rather than someone you already have hatred or anger for, maybe you go to someone or a group of people that you already have loving kindness for, and then you do that person or that group of people. And then slowly, gradually, you work towards the more difficult, the more challenging ones that are in your life. And then eventually you get to all beings. And I was wondering if you can speak about the significance of beginning with I in our rings. Yeah, the reason why is because in order to have loving kindness for others, you have to have loving kindness for yourself. And a lot of times we walk around in the unenlightened state with this self-hatred or this inner voice, this negative self-talk that kind of degrades our own mind and diminishes us. And 
we may have loving kindness for others, but there's kind of this inner hatred directed towards your own being, maybe based on things that have happened in the past that the mind's still holding on to. So you've got to let go of those things and just see them as being in the past and focus on the present moment, cultivating this loving kindness for yourself. And then as you do that more and more, then you will be more readily able to practice loving kindness towards others because you can't really have true love and loving kindness for others if you're having this hatred towards yourself. So by cultivating this in the mind, you'll be more readily able to practice loving kindness with others. And if you're someone who has that negative self-talk or that inner hatred or hatred directed toward yourself, then what your loving kindness meditation might be is you might do multiple rings of may I be peaceful, may I be peaceful. You know, you do those four affirmations multiple times for two or three or four rings before you move to anyone else, or you maybe just might go to all beings. And you might do that for several weeks or months, just cultivating this genuine interest for your own being, this being that is currently in existence, to be peaceful, to be safe, to be well, to be free of discontentedness and the suffering it causes. And then once you've cultivated that in your own mind, directed towards this being, then you can more aptly add in other rings and people that you are having challenges with and you'll find that it's easier to have loving kindness for others and to not judge others when you're not judging yourself and when you do have loving kindness for yourself you'll find it much easier to have that for others whereas if you're judging other people a lot and you notice that's a problem it's probably because you're judging yourself too and you have kind of this lack of loving kindness for yourself. So by transforming that, then your outward projection towards others will emanate from this loving kindness rather from this inner hate or judgment that you have towards yourself. So ultimately, it seems like loving kindness meditation is just a tool in our arsenal. And with mindfulness, we can learn where to apply that tool. Yeah, you can think of all the Buddhist teachings as individual tools. And when you understand what all of these individual tools are used for and why you're using them and how to use them, then you can employ them as you need. Something like breathing mindfulness meditation and loving kindness meditation, this should be a consistent daily occurrence two to three times a day for 30 minutes or more. And of course, you're going to need to build up to that. And then as you get used to practicing loving kindness in daily life, through your intention, speech, and actions, it gets easier and easier. Initially, it can feel like you're dragging your feet through the mud and there's all these walls that we've erected that we have to break down and it can be really difficult. But once you break through all of that, it becomes effortless. And then when you're in a situation where if you understand that loving kindness is the antidote to hatred and anger, when other people might have hatred and anger towards you, you know with wisdom that putting anger and hatred back isn't going to solve the problem. That's just going to create more and more problems. So if you understand the wisdom of the Buddhist teachings that he's teaching you that loving kindness is the antidote for hatred and anger, when you have this hatred and anger being directed at you, you know to practice loving kindness in all situations. And this can help you to clear out the problems that you're experiencing in life. So knowing each one of these tools and how to employ them, you'll be able to effortlessly do that 
and the more that you see them working, the more skilled you get at applying these teachings throughout your entire life practice. It just becomes effortless where you're just functioning that way all the time that you don't have to work to get there because the mind's already there. It's close to enlightenment or it's already enlightened. But in the process of doing that, there's a lot of work to get the mind to that position, to that state, to that mental state where it's constantly practicing loving kindness. And this loving kindness, as you notice, it's without judgment. There's no conditions. So you don't have this conditional love or this conditional kindness that I'm only going to be kind if somebody's kind to me, or I'm only going to be respectful if somebody's respectful to me. You should just always be loving and kind, always polite, kind, friendly, and respectful. Because if you have this conditioned loving kindness, then you're only going to get conditioned loving kindness. And this is where the mind can't get to that permanent mental state of enlightenment because it's practicing based on all these conditions. Whereas if you remove all of that and you just always treat everybody equally with loving kindness, without judgment, without these conditions in place, you're just always polite, kind, friendly, and respectful, then that's what you're putting out. And then more and more, you'll be able to cultivate relationships that are just like that. If we do have conditions, is this an example of craving? Yes, that's craving. Like if you have conditions where you want people to be a certain way and you are conditioning your life practice based on what other people are or are not doing, then your mind is conditioned. It's got certain craving or desires. It wants people to be a certain way and you're going to base your practice off of what they do. This is why the mind can fluctuate going up and down. But what you would like to get to in this permanent mental state is that you don't base your feelings on these impermanent conditions, but you also don't base your life practice on what other people are or aren't doing. In order to get to this permanent mental state, you need to practice in a way that your practice is permanent because you understand this wisdom of the Buddhist teachings. And if you understand something like loving kindness needs to be permanent without conditions, then you will be interested to always be practicing loving kindness because you know that's the best thing for you, even when other people aren't doing that because there's plenty of people in the world that aren't practicing loving kindness. So if we wait for other people to practice loving kindness before we practice loving kindness, well, that other person, they're waiting for us to practice loving kindness before they practice loving kindness. So we've got this big log jam where everybody's waiting. Is he going to respect me? If he respects me, I'll respect him. Or if she respects me, I'll respect her. So there's like this big log jam. And what you're doing in your life practice is you're trying to ascend above all of that and say, you know what? I'm not going to base what I do on what other people do. I'm not going to base my inner feelings on what is going on in the world. I'm going to ascend above this and get to this point where there's no craving, desire, attachment for people to be a certain way. And I don't have these conditions that I'm only going to treat people a certain way if they treat me a certain way. I'm just going to treat everybody the same. And therefore, then you can get to this permanent mental state in this permanent practice where you're always practicing being loving and kind among all the other qualities of mind of an enlightened person that they've removed all that pollution. They've purified their mind and they're now practicing in a way 
that's permanent. Thank you, David. Let's get a basin now for our Zoom questions. Thank you, James. We have a question from Miriam. She says, what is the difference between setting a boundary and not wanting someone in your life versus your comment about not pushing people out of your life? I understand that pushing people away or avoiding situations doesn't necessarily address the anger or frustration that stems from within. From past experience, I tend to learn and actually change when I am in the middle of a hard challenge or when a difficult person is in my life rather than avoiding it by pushing it away or ignoring it. I understand that we do not want to continue relationships if they are causing harm. Basim, can you repeat the very first part of that question? I, I understood there's this one thing, and then she's asking, what's the difference between that and pushing people away with aversion? Uh, the first thing is uh, setting a boundary and not oh, walking okay. someone in your life. Okay, setting a boundary. Okay, so setting a boundary in the way that I understand boundaries, depending on how people think of these, that's a craving desire attachment that's wanting people to be a certain way if you have certain boundaries and james has certain boundaries miriam has certain boundaries i have certain boundaries rick has certain boundaries that means all the people who interact with you they have to go around and figure out where everyone's boundaries are this can like make the mind utterly confused because everybody's got all these different boundaries and we have to figure out where everyone's boundaries are now, I'm not talking about boundaries in terms of things like sexual contact or things like that, because that's obviously moral conduct. But if there's certain things that you do or do not want in your life, that's craving, desire, attachment. That's conditioned experiences that the mind's looking for. What the Buddha's teaching is that we all can practice in a way that we're not putting these expectations on others. We're not putting these wants and these expectations, these demands on others, because when we do that, then we're really limiting the people who can participate in our life and that we can interact with. If we have certain boundaries, that means we have to go around and teach everybody what our boundaries are. Instead, we just operate through these natural laws of existence that are based on wisdom, moral conduct, and mental discipline. And when we operate through these natural laws of existence, then we know how to function in the world. And if other people are, for example, practicing a lack of wisdom or a lack of moral conduct or a lack of mental discipline, then we just make a choice of whether to continue to be involved in that person's life or not. What aversion is, is aversion is falsely attributing these painful feelings that the unenlightened mind experiences to this other person or to this situation. And because the mind thinks that this other person caused the painful feelings or this situation caused the painful feelings, it then pushes that out of the person's life. And now you find it where you're not going to be able to associate with very many people because you've got these boundaries. You've got this false assumption, you've got this misperception, you've got this delusion or this unknowing of true reality that this other person didn't cause the painful feelings, but instead you caused it yourself through craving, desire, and attachment, wanting things to be a certain way. 
So if a person erects boundaries, they're just setting themselves up to fail because it's only a matter of time before somebody doesn't understand your boundary. Therefore, they're going to do something that you don't want them to do. And now you're going to get angry because somebody crossed your boundary. Instead, we can just be loving and kind and practice this wisdom, moral conduct and mental discipline, realizing that people are all at different stages of development. People have evolved at different ways. People have different opinions. They have disagreements. And that's okay because that's part of impermanence. And while we can choose with discernment to include people in or out of our life, if we set up these boundaries, then we have to go around and teach everybody what those boundaries are. And this can be very cumbersome for you and people will find it to be very cumbersome to associate with you because you're constantly erecting these boundaries and then these boundaries are impermanent. You can't erect a boundary and it be permanent. So it's constantly changing. So not only do you have to go around and teach everybody where your boundaries are, but then when you start changing your boundaries, you have to go back around and constantly retrain everybody what your boundaries are. Instead, you can just operate through wisdom, moral conduct, and mental discipline, and then just choose who to associate with and who to include in your life. But if you choose to not associate with somebody, you shouldn't do that because of your own anger, your own frustration, because that's not being caused by the other person. It's actually being caused by your own craving, desire, attachment. So when you understand where the real problem is, which is in your own mind, then you don't have to create boundaries for other people because other people aren't the problem. The real problem is in our own unenlightened mind. And when you resolve that and you understand how to practice with wisdom, moral conduct and mental discipline, then you can associate with anybody and the mind can be at ease and peaceful no matter what. You just might choose to associate with more wholesome people. And if people learn to unwholesome things, you might choose to not associate with them. But you're not looking down on them. You don't think they're a bad person. You still have loving kindness and compassion for them. You just know that the decisions they're making would cause unwholesome results for them. So therefore, if you choose to be associating with them, then it's going to cause unwholesome results for you. So I suggest people not subscribe to this kind of modern way of people saying that you need to erect boundaries because this is essentially craving desire attachment. This is essentially aversion, creating this wall between you and other people. And now anybody that wants to associate with you, you have to teach them all these boundaries. And that's very cumbersome to be able to do and very challenging because they would always be constantly changing. So when you let those things go, and you can just practice with wisdom, moral conduct, and mental discipline. The mind can be at ease and peaceful. Question from Rick. He says, I have been adding goodwill, love, and kindness to my meditation practice for several years. But often feel like I'm just saying a series of statements without actually feeling or experiencing the intention behind it. Is there anything I can do to deepen the experience and feeling of goodwill, love, and kindness? One thing you might try, Rick, is doing visualizations while you're doing the affirmation. One of the things that I used to do is I used to envision like syrup kind of coming over the body. So if I was doing may I be peaceful, I would envision this syrup of peacefulness coming over 
the body and kind of dripping all over the body in this syrup of safety of being well and being free of discontentedness. And then when going through the rings, I would visualize that same syrup coming over the individual rings of people or groups of people. And this really helped to put the mind more in touch with what I was cultivating in the mind. And then it's really important to then go out into the world and practice in a way that is with loving kindness and compassion. So I'm not sure if you were doing breathing mindfulness meditation first and clearing out the mind and then doing loving kindness the way that I share, but that also is another way of helping. So having this visualization and then also doing meditation in the way that I share with breathing mindfulness first and then loving kindness and then move it into practice in daily life that it's not just in meditation that you're practicing this, but also through your intention, speech, and actions. And then the last thing I'll share on this topic is remember that this is a comprehensive practice. If you were just practicing loving kindness meditation in the past, but you weren't practicing right view, right intention, right speech, right action, all the other teachings of the Buddha as part of your life practice, then you only kind of had this maybe one or two or three components of your practice that was being developed. So this transformation of the mind, it's a comprehensive life practice that has many attributes to it. And as you learn and develop your entire comprehensive life practice, when you have something like loving kindness or meditation on board, then combined with everything else, when you understand how to practice loving kindness as part of right intention, for example, or as part of right speech, or as part of some of these other teachings, then it can be more firmly rooted in the mind and you don't feel like you're just kind of repeating affirmations. Because for a long time, I had those same exact feelings as you, that I was just saying statements just to say them, and I didn't know what to do outside of meditation now that I had cultivated this. And it wasn't until I understood the entire Eightfold Path and practiced it that I could now take this meditation practice and now further develop the loving kindness in the mind through an entire comprehensive life practice. So it's the entire comprehensive life practice that'll really bring this full circle. And then by you practicing in a way in daily life that is more loving and kind, that will help you in your meditation. And then your meditation will become more developed. And then you can practice in daily life more. So it's like this cyclical effect that they feed off of each other. Thanks, teacher. No more questions for now. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and do a breathing mindfulness meditation session together and then move into loving kindness meditation. So as I mentioned, I will guide you guys in that breathing mindfulness meditation first, and then I'll leave you on your own like I normally do to do that work for, you know, five or 10 minutes or so. Then I'll come back in with the guidance of loving kindness meditation. And then on the backside of that, we'll do some more loving kindness meditation. And then of course, I start with chanting and in with chanting. And we're going to get to that in a few Wednesdays from now to help you understand how I practice chanting and why I practice it so that you'll understand that a bit more. So if you'd like to go ahead and take a position for meditation, whether it's seated, lying or standing, those are usually the three positions that we do loving kindness meditation in. If you're on the floor, you might put a cushion under your rear and get your rear up in the air. That will lessen the angle at your hips, your knees, and your ankles. And when you cross your legs on the floor, 
just be sure they're kind of lightly crossed. You don't want them to be real tight because that'll block the circulation. And it'll make it more challenging for you to maintain your meditation position if the circulation isn't flowing in the legs. If you're in a chair, you're probably just sitting flat on the chair with your feet maybe crossed at the ankles or flat on the floor. Your hands and arms should be resting comfortably in your lap. The Buddha put his right hand on top of his left with his thumbs together. Then he put that in his lap. And if that's comfortable for you, then do that. But if it's not comfortable, you could also put your palms on your thighs, your knees, or you might put the arms on the armrests of the chair. By the time you get into your meditation position, the lower body and the hands and arms should just be completely comfortable and relaxed without any muscles engaged whatsoever. And if at any point during meditation you feel any pain anywhere in the body, just adjust and get the body to be more comfortable. Not luxurious, not painful, but comfortable. The upper body should be nice and erect. What you should do is keep the muscles around the spine engaged so that the upper body is erect. This keeps the mind attentive and alert during meditation because meditation is real active. It's an active, dedicated, purposeful training session where you're eliminating certain qualities of the mind or cultivating certain qualities in the mind. So we would like to keep the mind active and attentive. And the way that you do that is by keeping the body erect. And that will keep the mind attentive and alert during meditation. Remember, the mind is the boss. The body is the employee. If the body is luxurious, it's not going to want us to take us to go see the boss. If the body is painful, it's not going to want to take us to go see the boss. So we keep the body attentive and alert through erecting the muscles around the spine. And this allows the mind to stay attentive and alert during meditation as well. From here, once you have the body in position, just close the eyes and start breathing in through the nose and out through the nose. Nice, gradual, steady breath. Breathing in and out. Breathing in and out. Your breath isn't going to necessarily sync up to the guidance that I'm sharing. This is just as a reminder to kind of cue you to breathe in through the nose and out through the nose. You're not interested in forcing the breath or controlling it. You just like a nice, natural breath, experiencing the full inhale, breathing in Experiencing the full exhale, breathing out. Breathing in. And out. Start observing with the mind the sound of the breath coming into the nose. Breathing in. 
This is the present moment. Fixate the mind on the breath, the present moment. Breathing in. And out. I'm going to do some chance to just ease us into meditation and then I'll be back with some more guidance. Should be breathing in through the nose and out through the nose. Develop a nice, steady, consistent breath, focusing the mind on the sound of the breath or the sensation of air moving into the nose. This is the present moment. Breathing in. 
and out. Breathing in. And out. As the mind wanders to the past or to the future, if there's any thoughts, ideas, or perceptions, where you notice the mind is off the breath, cut that off, let it go. Come back to the breath, the present moment. Breathing in. In, out. Breathing in. In, out. I'm going to be quiet now for a while. Let you do this work. Focusing the mind on the present moment. There's nowhere to go. There's nothing to do. No one needs you right now. Focus on the breath. The present moment. Breathing in. In, out.
continuing to stay focused on the breath. Breathing in. And out. Repeat this affirmation in the mind on the out breath. Breathing in. May I be peaceful. safe. free of all discontentedness and the suffering it causes. May we be safe. discontentedness in the suffering it causes.
May my family be peaceful. May they be safe. May they be well. free of all discontentedness and the suffering it causes. friends be peaceful. May they be safe. May they be free of all discontentedness in the suffering it causes. May all my co-workers be peaceful.
May they be safe. May they be well. May they be free of all discontentedness in the suffering it causes. May all beings be peaceful. May all beings be safe. beings be free of discontentedness in the suffering it causes. to breathing mindfulness meditation, focusing on the breath, cutting off the thoughts, bringing the mind back to the breath, breathing in, and out.
As you guys are making your way out of meditation, I think it's important to just share something with respect to the meditation we did today and the affirmations we did today. You heard me share, may my family be peaceful, may my friends, my co-workers. As part of practicing non-attachment and as part of practicing this entire path to enlightenment, it's important that while you might use the words my family or my friends or my coworkers, don't allow the mind to associate them as being mine or belonging to you. Because the family members, the friends, the coworkers that you have, they're people that you're associating with now and that are part of your life, but they aren't gonna necessarily be in your life for a longer period of time. Friends are going to come and go. Co-workers are going to come and go. Even family members are going to come and go. They're going to live. They're going to pass away. 
your, your relationships in your families will ebb and flow. Whereas if the mind truly thinks that these are my family or my friends or my coworkers, there's a tendency for the mind to hold on and cling, have this attachment, wanting them to be permanent. So while we use these words sometimes, it's important to understand that the English language is somewhat unfitting to really describe what we're experiencing and what the mind needs to practice in order to get to enlightenment. So you might say, this is my son, or this is my partner, or you know, this is my mom. These are words that we use in order to help people understand our connection to the world around us and the people around us. But when you say those words, be sure that the mind understands that it's not my mom, she doesn't belong to me, or it's not my son or my daughter. They don't belong to me. They're their own individual being. These aren't my coworkers. They're people that I work with in order to accomplish the goals and objectives that I'm working on right now. So this is an important thing that as you speak and as you talk, that you start to understand that certain language that we use isn't really fitting to really describe what we need to cultivate in the mind. We need to cultivate in the mind this letting go and this non-attachment, realizing that all of these beings are individual beings making their own independent decision. And if we think of them as mine, there's a tendency for the mind to hold on to them and thus wanting them to then be a certain way. And then the mind will have these painful feelings when there's impermanence and they're not doing things the way the mind expects. Or if the relationships come and go, if they end, or if someone passes away, if the mind's holding on, it's going to have painful feelings. So I'd just like to share that as part of today's meditation. And as you develop this meditation more and more, you might need to use words like my family, my friends, my coworkers, but just don't allow the mind to associate with them as belonging to you. So I'll go ahead and open things up to any questions you guys have on what we taught today or any of the other classes with loving kindness meditation or really anything that we've been teaching in this whole program. All you need to do is put your question into the comment section of Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom, or raise your hand electronically, and we'll call on you to be sure you can ask your question or follow-up question. Hi, David. Let's start it off with a question from Amanda. Thanks, James. Um, so, Teacher David, I wanted to find out how would the affirmations um, first begin and then continue um, at, in regards to um, letting go of um, judgment for the self. And um, I know that the affirmations begin with the self, but um, how would how would that the circles sort of the rings expand from that in order to um, help with that for oneself? What you do is whenever you observe in the mind, not during meditation, but outside of meditation, when you observe that you are judging yourself, you cut that off and let it go, like we do with all other unwholesome qualities of mind. In loving kindness meditation, you just focus on, may I be peaceful, may I be safe, may I be well, may I be free of discontentedness and all the suffering that it causes. The definition of loving kindness is this active goodwill towards all beings without judgment. Another way to say that is without conditions. So practicing true love. So if you cultivate 
this genuine interest in seeing all beings be well without judgment, then the only thing you're interested in is seeing this being be peaceful, be safe, be well, be free of discontentedness and the suffering it may cause. There's nothing that you need to see from yourself or from other beings in order for you to have that feeling towards them. So you're not judging someone and saying, or judging yourself and saying, I'm only gonna feel this way if these conditions are met, right? Like we were talking about boundaries, you know, only if they don't cross my boundaries, I will have good feelings for them. Instead, you do it without judgment, without conditions. So you just focus on the meditation, cultivating this active goodwill, this genuine interest in seeing all beings be well. And the only interest you have is seeing yourself and all other beings be peaceful, safe, well, and free of discontentedness without any conditions that you're placing on them for you to have those feelings in the mind. I did bring this up because you mentioned before our meditation that oftentimes when someone is overly judgmental with others, they're actually the same for themselves. So focusing on yourself um, through loving kindness meditation might be an effective means. Is that correct? Yes, that's what you're doing is in order to eliminate any kind of judgment that you have towards yourself or other beings, you cultivate this genuine interest in seeing yourself and others be well without conditions. So there's nothing that you have to do special to eliminate the conditions of the judgment. What we're doing is we're essentially moving in this wholesome quality. We're cultivating this wholesome quality of loving kindness, of seeing all beings be well and be peaceful, be safe, be free of discontentness. And by doing that and cultivating that in the mind and then practicing in daily life that way, then you eliminate, you're eliminating the judgment. Because what the unenlightened mind is going to want to do is it's going to want to say, well, I only respect this person if they respect me, or I only feel fond thoughts of this person if they do that for me, or I only be kind to this person if they're kind to me. But by you cultivating loving kindness this way in meditation and then practicing in a way that they don't have to do anything at all, you just practice loving kindness at all times, that removes the conditions, that removes the judgment. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. You're welcome. I was wondering, David, when we're doing the affirmations, such as may I be safe, may I be well, or may another be safe or well, is there any, are there any tips on how to prevent that from becoming a wish? Because in some sense, a person could say, may we be safe, and in some sense also be wishing for that. Just always remember the definition of loving kindness, this genuine interest in seeing beings be well and be peaceful. You have this interest. You're not wishing for it because a wish is almost like a, a craving, desire, attachment, that you're wishing for something or you're hoping that it will happen. You're kind of trying to will it into the world. That's not what you're doing with this meditation or your own practice. Instead, you're developing in your own mind that you are interested in seeing all beings be well. You have this interest in interacting with beings in a peaceful way. And by cultivating that in your mind, you're not wishing that others are well. You're not hoping that they're well. Instead, you're taking action, this active goodwill through your meditation and through your intention, speech, and actions to ensure that when you're interacting in the world, that you're doing it in a peaceful way. Thank you. And 
you began the meditation with breathing mindfulness meditation, and I was wondering, do you recommend that we always do that during loving kindness meditation? And if we're perhaps short on time, would it be best to simply do breathing mindfulness meditation and save the loving kindness meditation for another time? I think it really, really helps to do breathing mindfulness meditation first and after. I've done loving kindness meditation without those and just done loving kindness meditation. And what I experienced back then is this bombardment of thoughts and it made it very difficult to actually cultivate loving kindness because the mind was being bombarded with all this erroneous noise. And what I discovered is that by doing breathing mindfulness meditation first and kind of calming the mind, centering the mind, quieting it, bringing it to stillness, then I was able to more readily focus on cultivating the loving kindness. So the only reason why I know that is because I've done it both ways and I did it without breathing mindfulness meditation for many, many months, not even knowing what it was supposed to be or what it should be. And then when I realized that I needed to improve that, I was kind of tweaking the practice and trying to find some other ways of doing it. And when I started doing it this way, I observed that it was working better. So I have that experience and that's what we do is through direct experience, we develop wisdom. That's how we gain wisdom. So if you would like to practice the way that I'm sharing with you, I'm certain that that's going to produce the best results. But if you would like to discover the wisdom for yourself of whether this way truly works or whether you can just plop down and go right into loving kindness meditation, do both for a period of time and you'll see for yourself if you'd like to do that. I've already done that work and I can confirm for you that just doing loving kindness meditation by itself isn't really as effective. But if you would like to try it, you can do the way that I'm sharing with you for many weeks or months. And then after that, then try to do just loving kindness meditation by itself at certain points and see what are the results that you experience and maybe do that for a week or two. And I think you'll see that this way works best. So if I was doing loving kindness meditation, which I only do in classes now, I don't really need to do this one anymore, but I did it for a really long period of time. If I was going to do loving kindness meditation, I would do it the way that I know works, which is with breathing mindfulness meditation and loving kindness, and then more breathing mindfulness. If I didn't have time to do a full, thorough quality meditation of loving kindness meditation, I would just focus on breathing mindfulness meditation. And then when I had the time and I made the time, I would make sure that I, I do a full scale loving kindness meditation. Because if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it with really good quality and not try to kind of just do loving kindness by itself. But you can try it and see what you feel. You know, as I've taught many times, don't ever believe me about anything is, you know, practice and see for yourself. And the way that you see for yourself is you test these things, you know, do what I'm sharing with you for several weeks or months, see how that affects the mind. And then if you would like to try just loving kindness meditation by itself, do that and see how it affects the mind. And then you'll know the truth for yourself. You won't be believing me, but you'll see the truth. Thank you, David. Let's go to Boston now for our Zoom questions. Marion has a question. She says, thank you for that beautiful meditation. I'm curious why we were directed to say the affirmations on the out-breath rather than the in-breath. Is there any significance between doing it one way or the other? 
I've always done it on the out breath and it connects back to what I was talking about with Rick because I used to envision this syrup coming over the body of either my body or the individual or the group of people. So the out breath was kind of like this syrup, this outward direction because a practice of loving kindness, it is directed outward. It's this genuine interest in seeing others be well and of course yourself too, but there's this intentions, the speech, this action where you're practicing loving kindness, you're putting it out into the world. So I always have done it on the out breath and envisioned this syrup coming over the body. But once again, you can try it both ways and see what works best for you. Try it on the out breath for several weeks, see how it affects the mind, and then try it with the in breath for a few weeks and see how that affects the mind. And then you'll have the wisdom of what's working best for your mind. And then you'll know the truth, what's working best. Thanks, teacher. More questions. All right. Well, I'll just thank you guys for attending today's class and encourage you to continue to practice both breathing mindfulness meditation and loving kindness meditation, because this is what's transforming the mind from craving desire attachment. You're going to be letting go of that through breathing mindfulness meditation, cultivating this mindfulness and concentration. And then with loving kindness meditation, letting go of anger, hatred, ill will, and then arising this loving kindness or this active goodwill towards all beings, this genuine interest in seeing all beings be well. If you've built up to two or three meditations a day, you might like to do one breathing mindfulness, one loving kindness, one breathing mindfulness, or you might like to do them all with breathing mindfulness and loving kindness. You can kind of uh, decide for yourself. You don't have to make a plan right now and then stick to that permanently. You know, you can do it even like what James was talking about is that in the moment you can see what amount of time you're planning to meditate and decide at that moment, I'm either going to do breathing mindfulness or loving kindness. But be sure to integrate this into your practice more and more and more as you progress because you're going to need this to eradicate craving. You're going to need it to eradicate anger. And then what I'm sharing with you is the wisdom to help you eradicate the overall ignorance. And more and more and more, you'll get more and more wisdom of the Buddhist teachings of how to eradicate all of these issues in the unenlightened mind. And you'll start gradually observing more peacefulness coming into the mind, whether it's a few seconds, a few minutes, a few hours, a few days, a few weeks, or what have you. You'll start noticing more and more time expanding where the mind becomes more and more peaceful. We're going to be talking about this on Sunday in our class, which is chapter three. It's titled Enlightenment. What is Enlightenment? I'm going to go through and talk about it in detail. We've talked about, or at least I've mentioned it here and there throughout the program so far, but we have this entire chapter that's devoted to what is enlightenment because it's really important if you're going to be progressing on this journey to understand what it is and have that understanding. And at that same time, we're going to be talking about the seven factors of enlightenment, because if you remember from a previous class, I was planning to teach that and I said, I will teach it in chapter three. So we'll teach it in chapter three because you'll see it in there. I suggest you either read the, the book before or after, or maybe before and after, so that you'll be prepared and kind of have some thoughts about the content, you'll probably get more out of the class that way. But some people actually like to learn first and then read afterwards. So you have that option available to you as well or to do both reading before and after. 
next Wednesday, it's going to be part three of our four-part series. I won't be doing the recap like I did this class. I'll just kind of see what questions you guys have based on your practice because now you should be able to start customizing your loving kindness meditation and putting in some rings based on your own life practice and the things that are going on in your life. And between now and next Wednesday, you will have a chance to practice loving kindness meditation. And I'll just kind of greet everybody at the beginning of the class and then just see what questions you guys have. We'll do a guided meditation together. I'll switch up the rings, kind of give you another variety of something that you can see kind of another way of customizing this loving kindness meditation. And then we'll open up for questions at the end of class for next Wednesday as well. So between now and the next time I see you in class, have a very lovely rest of your day. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you next time. Sawadee Thank you for listening to this podcast. To provide support for this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha. To access more teachings, visit buddhadailywisdom.com. There, you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Remember to establish a daily, consistent meditation practice, along with learning and practicing these teachings. A well-developed meditation practice is the foundation in which to train the mind to attain enlightenment.